Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. In our time together yesterday, we talked about Moses and the people of Israel, and in particular, we were talking about the Mosaic Covenant. We spent a lot of time summarizing the narrative leading up to that point from Abraham. We looked at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We talked about genealogies. What we didn't focus too much on yesterday is the actual giving of the law and the covenant to Moses. We looked a lot at how the the big picture storyline fits together, and I'm so thankful we were able to do that because that's really big picture uh, mentality. But today, I wanted to look at the actual giving of the law, and I want to summarize a little bit as we did yesterday, but we're going to summarize Exodus kind of beginning in in chapter 19 through the end of the book of Exodus. We're going to see what that narrative has. We're going to focus in on a particular uh, group of passages, and then we're going to go over to the book of Hebrews and allow the author of Hebrews to compare and contrast for us what we've just read in the book of Exodus, and then we're going to end today by looking at a little bit of application from the author of Hebrews about this whole thing, really getting to the heart of the matter, how this should be impacting us. Okay, so let's look at Exodus 19, beginning in verse 1, and it says, On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, Okay, that, remember, that's where we left off kind of our, our narrative, really. The people of Israel had gone out of the land of, of, of Egypt, and on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They sent out from Rephidim, and they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They encamped in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell all the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Okay, so the people of Israel come out of Egypt after all that miraculous activity and God uh, meets with them, speaks to them and he uh, He doesn't leave them alone but the people are now out of Egyptian captivity. What are they to do with themselves? And so God uh, comes to them, he speaks to them and he gives them very encouraging words and he said, if you will now obey my voice, keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Okay, so this sounds like it sounds like God is now restoring that relationship with humanity. That's the that's the the imagery we have for how the storyline has been taking us so far. Now, where does it go from here? That was Exodus 19. Beginning of Exodus 20 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then what follows from that? If you're familiar with it, or if you're not, go back and, and read Exodus 20. I went back and read all of this uh, this morning. Uh, 
there's so much here. It's good for us to continually be reading and rereading these things. Um, But go back and and read this. Remind yourself of all that God said here. But beginning in Exodus 20, he reminds them of who he is. And he said, if you will listen to me and obey my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. And now, beginning in Exodus 20, uh, he begins to lay out the terms of the covenant. So he says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he says, and so here on on that basis, because God has made a name for himself, remember, um, here is what you must do. Okay. And the the 10 commandments follow. I'll say on that just briefly. uh, We call we reference these as the 10 commandments. The scripture itself doesn't reference these as the 10 commandments, but actually in Scripture, they're known. It's specifically referenced Exodus thirty-four twenty-eight. Um, he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That's at least how the ESV translates it. Um, but it really just says the Ten Words. Uh, it says, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Words. Uh, words can mean sayings, right? Collections of sayings. Uh, but that's what it says, and it. Some people have made reference to, and I think there's a point here of validity, is that the other time in the narrative of Genesis that we have 10 words spoken are in the 10 words God spoke in creation. So if you go back and look at that, in creation it says, and then God said, and God said, and God said, in the creation account, uh, it's 10 times that God does that. And so we have... Uh, existence, the existence of creation itself and humanity hanging on the very words of God and 10 words in the beginning, 10 words to hang on here. I think there is a good connection there. But um, so God gives uh, the 10 words, the 10 commandments as we know them. Exodus 21, what happens there? Exodus 21.1 says, now these are the rules that you shall set before them. So it's kind of a new section. So in Exodus 20, we have the 10 words. Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus 21, we have the rules that you shall set before them. And so Exodus 21, 22, and 23 are now the rules. The rules, um, it really means judgments, the ten judgments. So, or not ten, excuse me, but the judgments. So we have the ten words and then the judgments. Okay? So that's kind of two sections. Exodus 20, the ten words. Exodus 21, 22, 23 the judgments. So that takes us all the way through Exodus 19 to 23. That's what we've covered so far. God meets with the people after they come out of uh, Egyptian captivity. He says, I, I, you, you need to listen to my words, obey this covenant. He then gives them the words of the covenant. Uh, in Exodus 20, you have the 10 words. In Exodus 21, 22, 23, you have the judgments. And so the 10 words and the judgments then become a collection of things. And in Exodus 24, after all the words are given, here's the next part of the narrative account. And then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar, from afar, notice. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord. But the others shall not come near, and all the people shall not come up with him. 
Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. See, we just, all the words of the Lord and all the rules. Do you hear the two sections right there? And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Right, the commands, including the 10 words and all the judgments. The people said, we are going to obey. Why? Because we want to be God's treasured possession. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning. He built an altar at the foot of the mountain, 12 pillars, all according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he set young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Moses took half the blood. He put it in basins. Half the blood he threw against the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of all the people. What is the book of the covenant? Uh, I believe the book of the covenant is going to be Exodus 20 through 23. That is the 10 words, Exodus 20, and then the judgments, Exodus 21, 22, 23. So he takes all of that, all the words that God said. So God met with them, Exodus 19. He said, I want you to be my treasured possession if you should keep the words of the covenant. He then gives them the words of the covenant, Exodus 20 through 23. And then that collection of things that Moses wrote down is now called the Book of the Covenant. It's obviously not the Book of Exodus because we're reading from the Book of Exodus. It's not referencing itself, right? Um, so he takes the Book of the Covenant, which uh, seems to be Exodus 20 through 23, and he read it, and all the people said, we will do this, which is pretty amazing, knowing how things turn out. All the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. That's verse 7. And Moses took the blood, he threw it on the people, and he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment that I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us, to, for us until we return. And behold, Aaron and her who are with you, Whoever has a dispute, let him go. Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the mountain in the sight of all the people. So Moses entered the cloud. He went up on the mountain, and Moses was up on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay. So that's just more the narrative account of what's happening, isn't it? So God said, now I'm going to take and I'm going to, I'm going to have two tablets and I'm going to write on these, uh, the words. Okay. I'm going to write on these, the, the words of the covenant. And, uh, Moses then comes down off the mountain after these 40 days and 40 nights of meeting with God and his presence and he has the tablets of the testimony written by the very finger of God himself, which is pretty unbelievable. And Israel has already, unfortunately, 
turned aside from their previous commitment that they had just made 40 days prior. And they said, yeah, we want to be God's treasured possession, but um, we, and we want to keep his covenant. We want to be his people. But when Moses was gone for so long up on the mountain, the people uh, decided to make gods for themselves. They collected gold, threw it into a fire, and an image came out that looked like a calf. And they said, oh, out popped this calf. And so then they said, behold, the, the gods who delivered you from Egypt. And so they betrayed God. They betrayed Moses. And they were worshiping this calf. And uh, it immediately shows us uh, the condition of the people, doesn't it? And isn't that exactly what's been happening all along? Right? The story with Adam and Eve and then with Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, with, with uh, Israel, generally speaking, right? It's, uh, it's constantly a reminder that the people are not faithful to God, and they can't be. Uh, but God continues his pursuit, doesn't he? God continues his pursuit of his plan. Exodus 32, jump ahead a little bit, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, that I might consume them, in order that I might make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord of his, the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent of this disaster against your people. And then in verse 13 is where I wanted to get to. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and to all this land that I have promised I will give to you and your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented of the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Okay, so uh, that that's going to kind of conclude our time l looking at the book of Exodus. Uh, now, the Lord relents, uh, the tablets are remade, and they are put in the ark and... Um, the, this whole section here, and we, we skipped a whole section because what it is, is um, because of the sin of the people, the presence of God had to be mediated. He wouldn't even let people come near the mountain or touch it because they would have to be consumed because of God's great glory in his presence. And so God couldn't come down and be with the people because all the people would die. And so then there's um, all the instructions about the tabernacle um, where the presence of God will come, and then also uh, the ark, but then also the priesthood, and because God is making a way to be there among his people without the people dying, but the people are continuing to rebel, and the presence of God there in the tabernacle is not what we envisioned coming from the story of Eden. This is a messy situation, and it's still not perfection, and we feel it, and we know it. Okay, so let's jump over then to Hebrews 8, and we're going to end our time over here. Uh, Hebrews 8, verses 1 through 7. Now, the point in what we were saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for the priest to have something to offer. 
if it were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since the priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. In the Mosaic Covenant, we see the beginning of this copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. That as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the uh, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. If that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Jumping down to verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. Going over to chapter 9, verse 11, when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of the heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death that has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. I know that's a lot of information, a lot of words there, but I want you to see where the author of Hebrews takes this. He says all of this, the shadows of, of all these things that were pointing towards something, they were pointing towards Jesus, they were pointing toward this priesthood, they were pointing toward this sacrifice, they were pointing toward a better covenant. Do you hear all that language in there? It says in verse 15 that we just read, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. I thought they were promised uh, just a bunch of descendants and some land here on earth. Well, obviously, it was looking forward to something even better, right? If you continue reading in Hebrews, it, it makes that very clear. Uh, we'll end with just this little bit of application here today. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, therefore, brothers. So he goes into all this, so much theology and unpacking this, um, all of this about the covenants. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all, all the more as you see the day drawing near. And it, don't, don't we go in our minds back to those, to those people who were waiting, waiting for that time to hear from their God. And in that meantime, the people all got together and they encouraged each other. But what did they encourage each other to do? to go after false gods. And so we don't want to be that. We don't want to be faithless. We want to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because God is faithful. God is faithful to his covenant 
promises, and he wants a faithful people whose hearts are sprinkled clean, who are holding fast to our confession without wavering, and for us getting together and stirring up, considering how to stir up one another to love and good works. And as we meet together regularly, isn't this what we're doing together? Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renew Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.